Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Top of the hour to you. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. I am Father Nathan Goebel, one of the co-hosts. With me today is another co-host by the name of Father John Neppel. He's a recent graduate of the Santa Croce in Rome, and he's going to be talking to us today about something far over our heads. John, why don't you take it away? Well, thank you. I uh, This feels really weird. Um, let's start over. My mom is calling me because... Um, what did, you left agreed. the chair. The chair. The, the talisman. Chair. What? Where, what was What did it? you she agree left, upon? Who's taken my dad on the 10th? But we, we talked through it, but she just... She, she wants this. She wants so to go. She goes, sends yeah. a text, uh-huh. just confirming yep. that you're good for the 10th. And I text back, I'm not good for the 10th. We talked about right. this. So... I'll call you tomorrow. She's playing the game. Immediate. Hi, John. Hey, John. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, the movie was Cross Knives, by the way. That's what she said. Cross Knives. Recommended. So, yeah, welcome to the podcast here. I was with a friend, Ann Ferraro, last night, and uh, she's a podcast listener. Shout out to Ann. Great. Uh, the Ferraro girls are wonderful. Uh, Mary was the first one I met at Boulder. But um, Ann, we're talking and just kind of chatting, and she just goes, all right, enough of this banter. Let's get into it. She's like, you think you have to banter into everything? And I was like, that's a true mm. podcast listener. You think you have to banter into everything. Banter into life. Motoring through life, right? Nope. None of that. <laughs> I'll tell you who wasn't having the banter today was the uh, girls working at Chipotle. Yeah. They were shutting you down. What is that? Sebastian Maniscalco, I'm telling you, if you haven't seen that YouTube skit, it's so funny. It's part of his comedy routine. But he's like, the people at Chipotle just get yelled at every single day. So they're kind of in shell shock because people walk in, they're like, burrito, chicken, sour cream. And then they like run to the other side of the line. And then today they added in a new thing where the girl's like, I need a quesadilla check. Quesadilla check. Quesadilla check. And then she checks the quesadilla and she shakes her head. And then like, she's like, okay. So then I'm in the middle of, or I literally I had to order my burrito twice because the girl in the middle of me saying, oh, do you want, um, what, what kind of meat do you want on that? And they have to ask twice because, God forbid, like they put the wrong meat on there. And I'm like, ah, I wanted both. You know, now you got to put now you got to put them all on there. Well, but then she goes, quesadilla check. And then, you know, the lady checks the quesadilla again. I'm like, what is the deal? The one girl was nervous because she wasn't going to be able to that last turn. We all knew it, it was, was coming. A fail. It was it was going to collapse. It was a diaper <laughs> blowout. And she tried to cover it up with a second thing of aluminum foil. And I'm like, honey, like this is not, it's not going to go down. It was a rather stressful environment, but always delicious. But uh, but the women at the door, this is interesting, you know. So they get to the door. She holds the door for us. And you immediately say, uh-uh, you first. Go ahead, ladies. Just don't take the rest of the sofritas. Don't take the rest of the sofritas, ladies. And they got a little giggle out of that, you know. So, so Frida's so Frida's are the uh, t- tofu, and nobody gets it. I mean, I don't know any single person that orders that. You should never get anything except for chicken. chicken. It's true. Today the barbecue was very watery. I was what rather you guys have chicken or chicken. Somebody was asking me, "What did you do podcast on last week?" And I said, Bantering "Food, through life. food." We talked about food because if if we talk too long about this, it just gets in your mind, you know. So what? Food. Yeah. We just we talk about we're talking a lot about food lately. That's all I'm saying. We didn't talk about food last week. We should talk more about cycling. What do you think about that competition? Mm, yeah. Well, I are hate you that. doing that today? No, circling back on last week's topic though, I was telling Meg Lyons, Meg Nimizek about it, and oh, she goes, Goebel's whole theory to call is her that again. People, I was like, 
yeah, it's too late. Just tell her happy Merry Christmas here. Oh, Merry Christmas. I'm sorry. She goes, Goebbels, I said Goebbels' whole argument was basically that competition doesn't exist for people with mental disabilities. And she goes, oh, they're like the most competitive people I've ever met. And I was like, oh, where were you for the podcast? He would have just put a bullet in his head, you know, no. his whole argument. No, they are competitive, but they're kind of outside the sphere of competition. Right. I mean, I don't want to sound, you know, cruel, but it's like put people in Special Olympics versus people in the regular Olympics and it's not going to go well. So we have automatically said you're going to have your own category. Right. Right. So, yeah, I know they're competitive. I was with oh. Shannon's sister. Right. Casey. Casey. Yep. She she like made fun of me because I couldn't do an entire CrossFit workout. That is funny. Well, we got to get moving here, folks. Uh, We're not no bantering time. through life. We're not bantering through life. You know, we've been bantering all day. Um, but uh, we got to save it because I got to say mass here in 55 minutes. I get to say mass. I am going minutes. to say mass. Going to. It'll be your last mass of the year. I get to say Goebbels <laughs> mass. Yep. No, he already had two, to, two today. <laughs> People say that all the time. They're like, hey, see you next year. So Come funny. On. You're so funny. Now, I was telling you today at Kinko's, I was going to flip out just casually when she was like, Happy New Year. And I just wanted to be like, I find that very offensive because, you know, this cultural hegemony that you're imposing upon me, this is not part of who I am as I'm redefining myself as a postmodern non. So do not wish me for this holiday that I don't celebrate because I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock because I'm living at Schloss Goebbels tonight. Yep. But I just said Happy New Year and walked out. And just swallowed your swallowed your Swallowed diatribe. it all. All right. Banterless, humorless day here at the Schloss as we're closing out 2019. That's my that's my Magnificid. Yeah, it's from last year. Go ahead, Bruh. Whoa, this is. Oh, should I read some of your notes here? That's person. That's personal. No, that's hey, that's what I told everybody to pray for this year. That's nice. Those seven virtues from Colossians. And what did you get? Um, I got love, patience, and gentleness. You got a lot. Well, I I said. Pray one for each member of your family, or if they have more less members of your family, you know, double up. But then for yourself, pray for three. Uh, gotcha. So, okay, so here I am on Sunday morning. Here we are transitioning to the topic. Transitioning. That was that was almost subtle until you put a you put a wrench right in my spokes. We're back, and now we're transitioning <laughs> to the topic. Father John has. An important message to share with us today. I gotta say mass here in 50 minutes. No, I, uh, so Sunday morning, you know the feeling. Um, I walk into the sacristy 10 minutes before, right? Which I think is sufficient, but a lot of people don't. So a lot can go wrong in 10 minutes, right? But I'm not the pastor. I'm just, I'm just coming out of the bullpen for a couple of pitches and then sure. back in. That's right. So uh, I walk in, and uh, the pastor says to me, what are you doing here? I thought you had the 5 p.m. That's never good. That's always, it, it's a very scary thing when you walk in the sacristy and there's two priests. It's better that that than no priest, right? True. So I said, sorry, I thought I had the 10. I thought that's what we had agreed on, but I can come back if you want me to. And he goes, Ooh, he goes, I know what we're doing. And he goes, don't, uh, don't, don't worry about it, just, just say this. Well, then the second reader walks in, Tracy. And Tracy's there with her son, uh, Stryker. And um, this is this podcast is for them. I'll explain in a minute. But she is, uh, they're just back from their uh, Christmas trip to Paris and realizes she's the reader for the day. And the second reading is what? 
Paul's letter to the Colossians, right? Sacred Scripture. Right. Sacred. The reading is usually from Sacred Scripture. You believe in the Bible, don't you? Uh, yeah. I think both you. of us can agree if the Bible tells us to do something, we should do it. Okay, so anyways, she says, I don't feel comfortable reading this. The Word of God. I don't feel comfortable doing this reading. Oh, my. And What uh, did you say to this This woman? is for her, by the way, so behave yourself. Because we had a good conversation after Mass. And uh, she says, can I just change the words a little bit? This is happening to the pastor. I'm vesting in the corner. Yeah. And he goes, you can't change the words. You can't change the words. If you don't feel comfortable, we can find another reader. But right. uh, you, you, we can't change the Word of God. And uh, so they're talking back and forth, back and forth. And she turns to me and she just says, well, well are you going to preach on this today? And I said, well, I wasn't going to preach on the second reading, but I can preach on the second reading. And then the deacon turns to me and he goes, what do you mean you're preaching today? I'm preaching today. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is an absolute cluster. This is getting worse and worse. Well, I don't know how I'm going to eat all this chicken. (laughs) This is chaos. Yeah, I've been right in the middle of the vortex of this. And then imagine this happening, and then all of a sudden somebody else walk in and say, Father, did you send me a message asking me to send you a bunch of gift cards? (laughs) And I'm like, gah! Yeah, so when you walk into the sacristy and you're like, Father, can you bless my earrings and my ring Don't and everything? started. It's no. like, this is why we're a little on edge because, and the deacon's like, well, I'd like to preach. I put a lot of work into this. And I was like, whoa, 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 just chill out. Look, let's look at the calendar. This says you're preaching the 8, you were supposed to preach the 830. And the pastor's looking at me and I'm like, just preach the 10. It's fine. Preach the 10. And I 10. said, sorry, Trace, this ain't going to happen. And so everybody kind of moves out and then it's, you know. <laughs> And then we move on. Boom. And then it's out. Hey, happy new year. How was your Christmas? And this the the schmooze. Hey, everybody. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the 830 Mass. If we can, just take a moment. Call your mind your sins. Just, you know, forgive yourself. We got any guests here? Alabama? Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Rhode Island. Hey, Rhode Island. <laughs> Rhode Island. Oklahoma. Oh, hey, sorry about last week. <laughs> oh. No. So that's. Yeah. This is the life of the priest. Sorry, the, Erica Flora. Before. Man, that, that was tough. That was tough. Mm. So it Actually, all, that was Kelly it all, Reeves. Sorry. It all plays out. I say the Mass. She's a big Oklahoma fan. I say the Mass. Deacon gives the homily. Afterwards, I'm talking to Tracy and Stryker, and I said... Um, Stryker. And uh, he looks like a striker, too. General. He's just like, Phew, you know. Uh, and I said, hey, I have this podcast, and I'd love to dedicate a podcast to that topic, to that reading, because I didn't get to preach on it. And she said? She said that'd be great. Great. So this is for them, right? Tracy, here we go. This is a difficult reading. Don't yes. don't, don't just look past this. Here we go. A, a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. This is the last few verses. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands, as is proper in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and avoid any bitterness towards them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers... Do not provoke your children, so they so they may not become discouraged. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so what I told her was... That was the line that she was afraid of. That's she was line. She yeah. didn't like reading. Believe it or not, she wasn't upset about saying, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility. Gen- right. That, was, that doesn't seem to bother but, anybody. But it's There's impor- one word that bothers people. Wives, be sub- subordinate to your husbands. Right. Subordinate, yes. Subordinate to your husbands. And that is mm-hmm. what I made her very, very emotional while she was reading it. And I said to her, I said, what I appreciate about this is that you're act- you're actually engaging this. Sure. Like you're allowing yourself to, because most people just blow through this. It doesn't mean anything, but you're obviously thinking about what this is. And this bothers a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So let's just break it down for the next, you know, 25 minutes or whatever. 
Did you look up the conju- the the translation? Of course I did. Yes. Come I was going to do that right now. So uh, we'll get into that in a second. But um, the first thing is to say, um, before we go into the Greek and explain a little more about what is what is St. Paul saying here in Colossians 3, wives, be subordinate to your husbands as is proper to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and avoid any bitterness towards them. The first thing is that I would say is at some point, you were told, you and I were told, and everybody was told, that as Christians we should be embarrassed about this this topic. Wives, be subordinate. We were told a narrative that says this. Christianity comes out of a patriarchal culture, so does Judaism, and it led to the subordination and the suppression of women and their rights, mm-hmm. which were not liberated until the last 50 years with the feminist revolution, which corresponds to the de-Christianity de-Christianization of the West. That's a narrative, right? And so as modern men and liberated men and women, we should be a bit embarrassed and want to kind of change the words because this is obviously coming out of a patriarchal culture that that never had the respect or dignity for women. And so we should be a bit ashamed or confused or just kind of downplay that, right? That's What's interesting is just to say, where did we learn that from? We should feel uncomfortable with phraseology of that kind. Right. Mm-hmm. But where did, we, where did that come from? Where did we, you know what I mean? And that's, that's where it's, it's about part of the, we breathe in, we think that we're just objectively moving through life, but we, we're breathing, the air we breathe is a worldview, right? And it's not Christian. And the present worldview that, um, that we're, we're just kind of breathing and soaking and living in is actually has a specific spin on what Christianity was, mm-hmm. how it was founded, and what it is presently. And part of it is that it, was a, it has an oppressive message to women. And so what is required of us as moderns is to change that and, and finally kind of get updated with the world. Did you look up some different translations, like the New Women's Living Bible, and find out, find out what they say? I take, don't know. Take a look at that. I don't think I have access to that. Uh the, but I mean that's the. There are different translations where they they'll just sort of ameliorate certain phrases, right? And that's that happens throughout. I mean, it there's kind of moments in the scriptures where it's like, ah, maybe we wouldn't want to say it that way these days. So we sort of change it. But right. by changing it, you you can unknowingly and unwillingly uh, snip something that you might actually need, right? Like you know, like when you're looking at the bomb, you know, and you have all those wires and everything. It's like, no, I think it's the blue wire is the red wire. But then you're like, ah, we'll just snip all the wires. And it's like, mm, right. Bad idea. Actually for women. Right. Right. Bad idea for women. Right. But anyways. And so I think a lot of Catholics are like Tracy, who just was genuinely open and interested in saying, well, what actually is the tradition? So the first thing I want to do is just identify that there's a worldview that is t- telling us Christianity is anti-woman. Christianity is anti-feminism, and it's uh, and this and these readings are specifically like that, right? And it's not just this reading. Simone de Beauvoir wrote a book called *The Second Sex*, right, which is taken from Titus, I think. And you have other parts of Paul's letter that are describing this man-woman relationship, yeah. and it's being interpreted as patriarchal. And again, the language of subordination is certainly um, not the, not a, just that's just not a comfortable word for anybody. Yes insubordination you know and churlish uh, yeah so that's the first thing is to say that that exists uh jordan peterson has an interesting thing talking to Wunchy about this because he's been listening to a lot of him he really thinks that the the modern 
worldview, the dominant thing, and what he's always kind of going against is what he calls postmodern Marxism. And there's a bit of this kind of Marxist thing here of like everything is about struggle, power struggle, class struggle. And so Marxist feminism would be that uh, men have the power, women have not. And this is a classic example of that, the Judeo-Christian roots of this, and it has to be subverted and we have to take the power. Hmm. Right? And I don't think that people like Tracy who are doing the second reading are like, women need to take the power. But they, they're, they're, you're breathing in the air of kind of a postmodern Marxism. But she also doesn't want to continue to speak the party line right. without without examining what what does that mean for her and other women right exactly and men exactly so what does the word mean exactly wives be subordinate to your husbands as is proper to the lord okay the uh, greek word here is hupotasso hupotasso hupotassein would be the verb the uh, and hupotasso would be the first person singular so hupo and so um, like German Greek is kind of like a Lego language, right? You just kind of take the yep. just kind of block them together. So mm-hmm. hupo and tossing or tasso. So what do those mean? Under under and what is tossing? Uh, under. Think of toxo. That doesn't the help. household really order order. Ah, under the order. So tasso is to arrange within. Oh, yeah, like um, taxonomy. Exactly. Yeah. So it really means the ordering or the arranging. Arrange huh. in an orderly manner literally is what tasein means, to put under order, right? And uh, that's hupo being under, tasein being kind of this ordering, this arrangement of things. Uh-huh. So subordination, which is just the Latin kind of take on the Greek hupo tasein, basically means wives put into order, into an orderly manner, what is of your husband's or what, what is what is in relationship with your husband's as is proper to the Lord. And I think the last part is the one that we don't really catch the most. And that's what we're going to circle back to, as is proper to the Lord. So wives, be subordinate to your husband's literally means in the Greek, in the original uh, writing here, to put under order, to arrange in an orderly matter. So it, what it doesn't mean is wives, do whatever your husband tells you to do. Which, if we're honest, mm-hmm. a lot of Christianity... A lot of Christian people have a false understanding of this, and there is there has been uh, qualities or or times or periods of patriarchalism that has played out yeah. in light of a misinterpretation of this. Hmm. But this certainly is not, and I see this in in some in wow. some Protestant friends more than I do in in Catholic circles, um, partially because they take the Word of God more seriously than we do, but they uh, apply it in a way. I've seen headship lived out in some Protestant Christian families in ways that I'm like, yikes. That looks like what she's what Tracy's afraid of, which is subordination. Do whatever the man tells you. Get in the kitchen. You know, you have no you have no say in anything and there's a lack of equality. Nope. There. I I just want to caution you. You said that looks like subordination, but that's what Saint Paul is saying. This is what actually she's afraid of, that it's not subordination, but rather Subjugation. Subjugation. There you which go. Which subjugation, it, and because Dr. Enners uh, was teaching us in our in our marriage class, and he says, when we talk about subordination, it's related to submission, to like to sub to be under the same mission, right. but it but never subjugation. Right. And I looked. He looked to see is there ever a positive sense in which subjugate is used, mm-hmm. and it's not. Subjugation. 
subjugation versus subordination. That's a good good distinction. Wives be subjugated to your husbands is what we're reading it, what we're hearing. That's what that's what you should actually be afraid of. Right. And that means what? Subjugation. Um, that's enslavement in many ways. Right. Like, I mean, you are you are now the you do what I say because uh, you don't have a mind. Right. The reason why St. Paul is writing this is because he's actually he's actually provoking their desire to do good. Right. And so as with both of them, I was just looking up to see, like, does he use the same word in Ephesians? Does Peter use the same word in his letter? And he does. I think Ephesians is is hupotasin, but it's often translated as submission, submissio. Yes, but in the in the in the Vulgata, in the in the Vulgate, it's the subdite, you know, like like that there is a, a way in which that you should understand each other. You have conversations about this, work on allowing this moment of action to be coordinated right. and not just you do your thing, I do my thing. Right. So And so I think that the as Paul is reflecting on this, and again, we have to read everything in scripture within a context within the, the larger content and unity of the whole Bible. And the whole letter. The whole letter, exactly. You have to read the whole letter. Right. Why is it that we read the whole letter and then we just say, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's saying that. Right. But it's interesting because even in the even in the lectionary, we bracket this. Right well, for a shorter reading, for a shorter form, omit oh, yeah. the text in brackets. It's like the brackets we saw at Chipotle. Two thousand cal- calories is uh, what's considered Actu- a regular diet. Right. Some calorie needs may vary. May vary. May vary. Right. Right. But that's where I'm like, it was either it was either a, a woman or a man. Man thinking of you know how are women going to respond to this? Women thinking about how other women are going to respond to this. That said. You know what? Maybe we should put that in brackets. Right. And I'm like, you don't bracket the word of God. Right. Now there are times where if I'm not going to preach on something, I won't necessarily uh, have them hear it because then, in the course of my homily, they're going to be like, "Oh, very nice, Father, that you want to talk about all the virtues, but what about this whole submission thing?" Right. Exactly. So I think if we want to move to a proper understanding of the relationship of men and women. We want to get out of this kind of postmodern Marxist or Nietzschean thing that it's all power and that it's all patriarchalism and all this different stuff. If we want to move beyond that, but not end up in the mistake of subjugation, there's three points that we have to make. And this is just theological anthropology. This is, this is Christian vision of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. And there are three, these are just the three points. Boom, boom, boom. And this is what I would say to Tracy and Stryker. This is what I'd say to anybody who's struggling with this. If you don't get these three points down in order, then um, you're never going to be able to interpret this in a way that is authentically Christian, which means authentic to what Paul is trying to express here. And these are very simple. You've heard this before. Number one, equality. Hmm. The foundation. Men and women are equal, period. That's actually teaching of the Catholic Church. It is. It is. And so if subjugation presupposes a lack of equality, then that's an absolutely impossible way of interpreting this word, that men and women are created equal. If subordination. Subjugation automatically means that there is inequality. So subordination would not necessarily mean um, inequality. Right. So that's the first thing is that we we have to absolutely begin. And as Christians, you need to say this to your friends who think that we don't, we don't do this and that, that, 
Because the, what one of the greatest contributions to the Christianity made to the world was the concept of person, right? Was the notion of, of the person. And that was the reason that equality of men and women came to be was not because of social constructs or something like this, but it was because of the dignity of the person that Christ, that was inherent in Christ's message. And from that, we were able to derive the, the significance of and the beauty of the equality of men and women. Okay, that's the first thing. Number one, equality. Number two, distinction. And this is where sub subordination is important. Paul is saying something specific to women about the way they relate to their husbands. And that's different than the way that men relate to their wives. Okay? So there's actually, it's not just equality, because you have liberal feminism which says women are, men are totally equal. Right? There's no distinction whatsoever. The body doesn't matter. Sure. And we're like, yes, absolutely equal. But there is real distinction between mm -hmm. men and women. Yes. Which means that in the if if everything is considered in this this interplay of and mutual self-gift, then there is a difference in the way that one is interplaying with the other, right? The moment we've talked about this one before. One is capable of giving in a way that the other is capable of receiving and I mean, are you are you going to talk about complementarity or is this That's is the third baby. Okay. Complementarity. So, so difference difference is actually saying that women are equal and yet distinct as well. Right. Not just among men. It's not just comparing them between men and women. It's also saying there is variance within women as right. well. But there is equality. Right. That there's are you saying, John, are we getting into this that there's two genders? Believe it or not, we're saying that. Believe it or not, we're saying that. Right. Yep. That they're that they that they have an equality, but they have a differentiation, right? Mm -hmm. And as Jordan Peterson points out, this is not a new thing, gender, but sexual differentiation goes back to the very found the evolutionary foundation of multicellular animals. Like this is all the way back, this is billions of years. Yeah, we've been two genders, two sexes, but the distinction of the equality has to be in light of this complementarity, or excuse me, of this of this difference, and that's what creates complementarity, the third point. And again, where does this come from? Mm -hmm. Why do Christians believe this? Because of the beauty and the distinctiveness of what it means to be a human person, which is reflected in the Trinity. Relationship. Equality of persons, yeah. Yeah. distinction of persons, complementarity of eternal, perfect self-gift within the life of the Trinity. Our very understanding of who God is as he reveals himself is what reveals what a human person is. And it's that that has to inform how we understand this phrase, right? That women and men carry a distinction, not a distinction that's within God, but that there is distinction within self-gift and the way that they make that self-gift. And that is why they create a complementarity. So if you're struggling with this, the invitation is to say, how do you move from a vision of power struggle to complementarity? And the only way for us as Christians is to say it's equality and then it's distinction or difference. And that's the, only, that's the only way we can derive that third and final point. And that actually we need each other. We need each other and not just, uh, I don't know, 50-50. Right. It's like, no, actually there are moments where it's like 90-10, but depending on who the person is and sometimes depending on who the gender is, and sometimes those roles aren't necessarily defined, but we have to look at the gifts that each person brings based on 
who they are as persons. Right. So I, I don't know. It's that, and this is a this is a pretty important topic. Yeah, I think it is. So, and then when you go out to the thirty thousand foot level, where I like to live, right? What is Paul doing in this when he's talking about complementarity, but he's really saying something specific about wives be subordinate to your husbands as is proper to the Lord? What is he saying here? Husbands love your wives and avoid any bitterness towards them. What he is going for is to say this has to be considered in light of. Mm-hmm. Again, as we said, the the inner Trinitarian life, but as it's expressed in salvation history, which is to say Christ, the bridegroom, and his bride become the primary way of understanding how we interpret the complementarity of men and women. Let me say that again. Christ and his bride, the church, hmm. become the primary way. This is Paul. This is this is why this is behind Paul. Colossians, it's certainly the heart of Ephesians, is his, his ecclesiology of a bridegroom and a bride, of a husband and a wife, is Christ and the church. Now, what's specific, now we're going into the Feast of the Mother of God, so I'm thinking about her right now. Um, Matthias Shaban and many others within the tradition talk about Mary as the heart of the church. Mary is the heart of the church. Mary is the church. She embodies the church. She, is the, the, she personifies the church. But she's the heart, and Christ is the head, according to the Pauline image and then the thought of these theologians who are fleshing it out. So what we're talking about here is if you want to read, if you want to read St. Paul to the Colossians, what I'm saying is think about it as in terms of the heart and the head, and the woman is the heart and the man is the head. You all right? Yeah, you just kicked out the uh, headphones. Ah, sorry about that. Woman's heart, man's head. Man's the head, right. And so um, when you start to reflect on that, Mary as the church, as the heart of the church, um, is the model for what does a woman look like as the heart of the family, as the heart of a marriage, as the heart of a world, right? Balthazar talks about woman is the heart of, no, it's actually Gertrude von Lefort, woman is the heart of a heartless world. We're living in this time where, uh, and, and the headship of man is something that's different. So the head and the heart are not, this is not equality questions. This is about the difference between the head and the heart within the mystical body of Christ. But in the mystical body of Christ, at the center of the universe is a man's heart. Okay. Not a woman's. Right. But at the heart of, but the heart of creation, the heart of creation Uh is a woman, a person. Yes. But what I'm saying is in the new creation, the, the... The union of hearts happens in Mary and Jesus, in that in the the two hearts that reign. So that's where it's like there's no winner. There's no winner at the end of time where it's just like who ends up in the end? Men. Who ends up in the end? Women. No, that we're not about we're not about class warfare. It's about drawing into perfect communion. And the heart that beats in perfect communion with Christ is Our Lady. Right. We're in agreement. Only. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that's important because as you go to the 30,000-foot aerial view, it's not like, well, we're, we're moving beyond where we actually need to be. No, actually, we're, we're trying to figure out what is the telos of gender and personhood, period. The, 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 the end goal of our life on earth 
is to actually have our hearts in union and minds in union. That's subordination. Right. To actually be in communion. That's the goal. That's the goal. And that's the goal of marriage. Right. And so what I would say is, just to finish this thought here, wives be subordinate to your husbands. The model for that is how is the church subordinate to Christ, which is specifically how does Mary embody and live out the church's subordination to Christ the head? That's that's how a Christian reads this. Mm-hmm. That's that's the question. We don't read it with this kind of, again, yeah. kind of Marxist uh, struggle and, and power dialectic. Yeah. We read it as, how does the church subordinate, which means how does she arrange in an orderly manner that which she receives from the husband? Mm. What this is about, wives be subordinate to your husbands, and again, many people have never heard this, it's just about the mode of feminine receptivity, which Mary embodies in its perfection. If, if hupotasso means to arrange in an orderly manner, what that means is that I received the gift of self from my husband who initiates that as man, just as Christ initiates the self-gift in creation as God. And I receive that, and the way that I arrange that and orderly receive that is the very mode of loving submission mm-hmm. or, or subordination. And that is not the subjugation of inequality of power struggle and dialectic. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, we got to keep looking back at Mary. Yeah. And Jesus. And Jesus. Because Jesus, Jesus is in submission to the Father. Right. And how does he live uh, a submission that's not just uh, but sexual different, grumble, but, grumble. But sub, yeah, but sexual differentiation in creation is not, we can't predicate that about the Trinity. I understand you're saying that. And we're getting into other topics here. Um, yeah. Well, but what I don't like, what personally what I don't like is eventually we get to a point where, you know what, you know what, ladies, we just got to, we just got to learn to understand each other a little bit better, you know? And I'm like, no, I would say that there does come a time where you're going to have to arrange in an orderly manner something that you don't understand or agree with. Right. And that's where you live out in part this gospel, this this word of the Lord in a, in a, in a, in a unique way, but it's not always that way. Right. But he's also giving counsel not just for, you know, everyday situations but in difficult situations. What is the man asked to do? Love your wives. Oh my gosh! What? What? How? How dare you? How dare you make me do that? Right. I can't believe this. And that's what Saint Paul is trying to say. There's going to be moments where you're not going to want to do this. You still got to do it. Right. And there's going to be moments where you don't want to do it. Namely, love your wives. You still got to do it. He goes on and gives beautiful counsel to your children. As I was reading Balthazar's commentary on this, the the word don't provoke your children is actually don't terrify your children hmm. because don't lord your authority over them such that they actually get discouraged. Right. So there are, he's giving excellent counsel if we would just have the, the confidence that St. Paul might actually know something about men and women. Right. I will give you a final image on this because to go back to the equality piece, the whole homily was going to be about leg wrestling Uncle Gus in the bar, which is what every suitor has to do in the Barger family. Every, yeah. every, all of my uh, female cousins, yeah. whenever the man gets to a certain point and he's about to propose, you got to leg wrestle, Indian leg wrestle Uncle Gus. It usually happens in a bar and he's never lost. But I thought, 
When we're talking about mutual subordination, is there any better image in the universe than Indian leg wrestling? Maybe, yeah. Come on now, work with me on it's this. It's pretty good. Yeah, that was it. That I was, don't. I Uncle Gus is pretty strong. Yeah. So. But there's something to be said about the the subordination of we're we're agreeing into this, like we're arranging something here together for the sake of this whatever this interaction is. Mm-hmm. And if the interaction is not Indian leg wrestling, but it's this this self gift, um, then Paul's using the word agape to describe the mode by which man initiates that gift, and he's using hupo tasso to describe the way of receiving that gift and then returning that gift. Sure. And again, if it's an equality, distinction, and complementarity, right. which images something of distinctive of the Trinitarian life, which no other religion or philosophy has ever revealed or said. Yeah. This is completely distinct. Right. right? Then without that, there's we're just going to be subject to the winds of kind of whatever modern ethos and worldview we kind of pick up when we're on vacation in Paris. Mm-hmm. So Tracy, God love you, Striker. Thanks for a great conversation after Mass. I've really enjoyed uh, uh, getting to know you guys. And the best thing about this is that you're letting the Word of God challenge you. And uh, that I think so few of us do. And so I love that. And thanks for your openness to talk about this today. And I look forward to talking about it more. Hope that this isn't the last podcast that you listen to. Right. I'm trying to we shut got, yours off. We, got, we need new. We need Shout more. outs. Whatever. Ah, what? what? Is wrong with this thing? What? I gotta go to. Ma- I get to go to mass. Like you say that this morning. Did you say that at eight a.m.? I get to hear confessions this I morning. I get to hear confessions. That's not what he said okay. to me a couple days ago when Quiet. I. Asked him. Oh, sorry. You're in my household, dear Be Father subject John. Subject to me. <laughs> subjugated to the gobel. Thanks for celebrating Christmas mass at Good Shepherd. Um, this is from a guy named Greg Striker, oh. not Striker. Greg what? Uh. Fanzolo. Fanzolo. Do you know okay. him? No. He gave us um, more pretzel bites, which we're getting in droves. He gave you pretzel bites. And then a, pol- a bottle of Leopold Brothers bourbon. And then he wrote, uh, P.S. Cobradentrix was great. Punchy Father Nathan combined with your passion, ex- expertise, and compunction was unbeatable. Wow. Oh, I like that because I got three adjectives and you got one. So thank punchy. you, Greg. Thank punchy you. Father Nathan. No, but this was a great, a great surprise to see this in the... Um, in the sacristy uh, after that kind of chaos uh, to cool. get a nice gift from Greg with three G's. Triple G. Triple another, G. Another triple G. So thank you. Uh, thanks for that, Greg, and uh, Merry Christmas. So I, I mentioned uh, to a friend of mine, Dr. Barstad, that um, we, had get, we had gotten some fan mail that was less than positive. Mm-hmm. That does sometimes happen. And he said, well, I mean, just so you know, like my daughter is, you know, a faithful listener, so I'm grateful for that. And I was like, what? Now, he's told me this before, but I I thought it was like, well, she's listened to a few episodes. But it's like, no. Cheska, a.k.a. Cheska, a.k.a. Francesca, a.k.a. Bina, a.k.a. Franny Annie Barstad, listens faithfully every Thursday. So, I mean, that that is, it's a joy for me to know that we're able to reach not only our own friends and also other person's friends, but like, we have people all over who were affecting, and I am in relationship with Bina, but I didn't know that she was actually listening because you know we don't talk about the podcast whenever we're together. Yep. Excellent. And then the other one, the other person who reminds me constantly that he listens is uh, Caleb Archer. So Deacon Matt Archer uh, yes. is yes. my is my deacon. His mm-hmm. son Caleb has this whole uh, um, I don't know like 
evil plan. He's like, you know, Pinky from Pinky <laughs> and the Brain. Um, but he said, I'm going to get pieces of Schloss Goebbels from your rectory, and then I'm going to sell, sell them, them at, the the t- <laughs> at the 10th anniversary party because you won't let people come over to your house. And I was like, no, you can't do that. He's like, what if I get a brick from your house that you're not even using and I let people touch it? I'm like, no, no. So Caleb, if you see a guy named Caleb and he's at, selling and he's selling memorabilia, he's got like a big trench coat with all kinds of stuff on the inside. Exactly. Actually, I thought about giving him a few of our old gifts and just be like, here you go, man. Knock yes. yourself out. So anyways, yeah. well, we look forward to seeing many of you at the uh, the big party, which is going to happen yes. two days after uh, this, podcast this podcast comes, comes out. out. So we still have a number of plans to do. Um, pray that uh, there's not a double homicide in the preparations. True. That's why I'm going home beforehand. But tonight we eat sushi and we celebrate the new year and That's the right. Tokos. And the mother of God. Right. So. All right, folks. That's it. Happy new year. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Yep. We'll see you at the 10th anniversary and happy new year. Laters.